Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi everyone, it's episode 24 of FPL Black Box. Uh, hope you've all recovered from, which was a pretty pretty interesting double game week. I know yesterday was a bit of a damp squib for everyone, but overall it was quite exciting. How did you get on, Mark? How are you doing? I, I thought I did all right. I mean, the, everyone was moaning about the Gundogan injury, apparently, on Twitter. I missed all that. Was there some kind of outrage? There was a lot of beef about Gundogan captains moaning about him missing the second game. Mm. Am I better not getting into that? Well, I I stayed out of it, but yeah, you had a uh, you had all the people complaining, saying, "Oh, you know, nineteen, nineteen points, or eighty points." I think it was nineteen, uh, saying, "Yeah, we wanted more, we want more." But you've got to be pretty happy with with that. So I was just like, "I'm not gonna," because if you captain Sterling, I mean, I was if I'd had him, I would have gone for Sterling for sure. So yeah, I'm uh, you know, um, hashtag. Uh, points not price or whatever it is uh i uh, I, I almost went i did a video again um without you on the morning of the deadline where i talked about sterling and i just didn't do it in the end and obviously now in hindsight it was probably the right call would you've captured it then if you bought yeah him. i would have done yeah I yeah i would have done and i think i said on the video that it was um it was that it was there was a couple of things it copped up my plan for future game weeks and i'll be showing that again tonight um but also it was a close call between Gundogan and Sterling in terms of who would get the most points because when we knew Rodri was fit, I think it kind of convinced me that it was going to be a tight one. Whereas if Rodri had been out and Gundogan had a chance of dropping back into a pivot role, mm. it would have been Sterling. So in the end, the fear of Gundogan outscoring Sterling, which is exactly how it turned out, um, convinced talked me out of it. So I'm kind of glad I did. But I mean, if I was, you know, it was a differential, wasn't it? That's, that's what appealed. And anyone trying to make up ground, yep. it was really appealing. Yeah, and it, it, you know we talked about it last week. It looked like he was coming into form at the right time. I thought he'd start both games, which he did. Uh, it just, yeah, I, I thought between him and Foden, I actually thought they were maybe stronger options than, than Gundogan. But he's just relentless, isn't he? When he plays, it's it's unbelievable what he's what he's doing this year. The goals as well. The second goal. I, it was, <laughs> no, I, I was tweeting I about at the time. I, I was just tweeting about. Um, has there been a, a bigger transformation of an FBO asset mid-season? Um, what I mean by that is a player going from, from being almost totally ignored to suddenly becoming the hottest property in FBL. And it has happened a few times before. And obviously people are talking about Kane and Mahrez and Vardy, but that wasn't in the middle of the season. Mm. The only player I can think of changing that much was Torre, who went from a kind of like, not a holding midfielder, a number eight, to suddenly being penalty taker, and a free kick genius. Do you remember when he started taking free kicks yeah, out yeah. of the blue and started yeah, scoring yeah. them? And he had a run of penalties as well. He had a couple when Aguero went off after with 10 minutes to go and then they won a penalty immediately and Torre took it. And I only remember this because I didn't have Torre at the time. 
And this is what I liken this Gundogan thing to, but I, I think Gundogan's even bigger than that because this is yeah. going from a, a player that no way we would even consider him in the first few game weeks of the season to suddenly now. It's like, well, if you don't have him, what are you doing? And the know, we've, we've guy, seen, we've seen, I know, I mean, we've seen players like Burst on the scene, like Kane, like, you know, he, he was banging them in the Europa League, wasn't he? And then they brought him into the team and he, he's up performing. That's a bit different because Gundogan was like, he's a defensive mid, no one should ever get him. You know, and then suddenly his role changes, and he's like suddenly the greatest asset ever. So no, I I don't think there's been a I don't think there's ever been a player quite like that. No, and, not and, who's had like seasons in a particular role, and then suddenly is used yeah. completely differently. And people were saying, oh well, he always had this potential, but you look back at his career in the Bundesliga, and he's never been as prolific as this. And <laughs> and I think I said in the tweet that he's just showing qualities that I just didn't know he had. Like his his calmness in the box is is. Just that of a, a, a top-ranked striker. It's crazy. That second yeah. goal, again, where he just held the defender off. It's like he's got bullet time. It's like he can slow down the action and just find the corner in, in, in the way that legendary strikers are able to do. And and I never thought that Gundogan possessed those qualities. But, yeah, it's fantastic. It is a fantastic. What, what a turnaround for him and what an asset he's become and a gift to us halfway through the season. Um, but it's going to be what interesting. What going to happen with him? Yeah. You're going to say, with De Bruyne back. Well, I don't know. What's your yeah. theory on that? De Bruyne back on penalties, maybe, because of Gundogan's miss? And, and what what would you do if you if, if you had free reign, money, no object? Would you keep Gundogan or would you go back to De Bruyne or would you switch now from one defender? I, def- I definitely wouldn't be switching Gundogan out. I think he's, you know, he's, he's still a good price. Uh, I think, if anything, it's it's the... it's. It's the defenders who we could potentially lose one of them. Because I mean, Stones now does look much more of a risk with Laporte mm. back. Uh, there's lots of games coming, so I would expect Cancelo to miss, you know, miss some games. And I don't want to sell him because he's got always got the potential to to hit really hard. But I don't know something like Diaz, Gundogan, and De Bruyne. I think could be could be really good. It's just going to be really interesting to see what happens with with Gundogan because I mean, in theory, having De Bruyne back will make City better. It should make him better. Unless they do use him in a, in a more in a more deep line role, but I mean, he wasn't. He was still looking good, wasn't he? Even when De Bruyne was was playing, it wasn't like De Bruyne left. And then suddenly he started. I think in, in, even in the few games before De Bruyne got injured, uh, it, he was he was still looking looking sharp. So yeah, I, I think I think it's going to boost him personally. I'm definitely holding him. Yeah, every chance because uh, I think the player who's most likely to make way will be Jesus, and they'll go back to playing false nine in the big games. I think that's what we'll see. Yeah. And, and it began to another Yeah. But even when Jesus yeah. was playing centre forward, if you saw the goals, you always saw Gundogan getting into the box anyway. He just has, he's just got that license to do it. So, you know, NASA land on Mars, Gundogan, the top quality, top ranked asset in FBL. What a time to be alive. No. I owned, you know, I owned him last season. Uh, I owned him for about five or six game weeks. I don't know. I don't know. You know, you know when you just remember things like that and you did think, you? how did I end up? What was your thinking with about that? Yeah, go on. I think I, I think I had like five point five to spend, and there was just no, not like this season. There was just no one really around, and I and Gundam was on some free kicks and stuff. So I bought him in, and he did nothing for me for weeks. And then I benched him, and he scored two goals, scored two free kick goals on the week I benched him, and then I sold him. And that was my, and you know I've talked about not liking Gundam very much. Mm, yeah, well you said it, it was his face. Stem, it definitely stems from that. His okay. Face, yeah, his face it, was, it was his facial hair or something. But yeah, but, yeah. Not, but, not anymore. I take no. it all back. I've you know, been wrong about him, wrong about Neto. It's you know, just that kind of season, isn't it? He's going to be on the wall. 
I mean, I'm going to have a virtual wall. Be. I'm going to I'm going to put him on my wall for sure. I can't have two city players up there, can I? That seems no, probably not. But Sterling, he's just not. You know, he's not comparable at the moment. Um, Maybe I'll replace Sterling with London. This is it. Right, what we're going to do tonight, I think, is look at <laughs> the double game because I, 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 we had delayed the show till Thursday, thinking cleverly that oh that'd be great because the fixtures will be out there and we can talk about double game weeks and that's it all over um we'll have a cracking long show talking about that and what we're going to do and they haven't arrived yet um but we're going to touch on the double game week situation again because we have to we'll talk about we'll look at ben Crellin's chart and we'll look at my plan as well and what we will do tonight is obviously talk about leeds and southampton so the focus will mainly be on those because they're the two teams who do have a double game week in 25, of course. Um, so most of the show is going to be dedicated to that because looking forward beyond that, it's kind of pointless because everything's going to be <laughs> put into flux soon as those fixtures yeah. come out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's disappointing. So let's look back at Game Week 24, though. Let's look at your your team and your score. 96, got to be happy with that, first of all, haven't you? Yeah, really happy. First, first like, kind of properly good week I've, I've had in a while. Uh, like I put in the description, I think your week kind of depended on, well, A, whether you owned Gundogan uh, and B, whether you captained him. I think if you captained him, you, you probably had a fairly decent week. Uh, I got a bit lucky. I had a Sue Fowl coming in um, for Antonio, which was nice. I know a lot of people had like Dallas or uh, or Suchek or, you know, sort of to get six points was was nice. I mean, you missed a one-on-one though. Did you see that? Could have been oh, yeah, I, I saw it out of the corner of my eye. I'd actually um, <laughs> left my seat. Watch, I was watching it on my PC and I left my seat to get a drink and I was looking from down the room and I was like, who's that going one-on-one through? And as I got back, I saw the replay. I just could not believe it. That would no, have been so sweet. Unbelievable. Well. Yeah. With and, the and all goal. the other defenders returned yeah. as well. And La- yeah, Loughton as well. But the, the big decision for me this week was, was we talked about the, the bench boost and... If I hadn't had the injuries in my team, so I had Calvert-Lewin, Antonio flagged, um, and Dean as well. If, if I hadn't had all those, I, I probably would have pressed it. Mm. Uh, I would have done Calvert-Lewin to Richarlison for a hit. So I would have ended up with about 14 points, I think, on the bench boost. So I'd probably have been reasonably reasonably happy with that. It now means that I've got to time it well, again, to not do what you did and get get eight points. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to use it in in twenty in twenty six. Um, I've got it earmarked for game week thirty. Actually, there's some quite good fixtures, and um, I've built I've built like a bit of a plan out to use it around. Oh, so you're going it's to not use double the, game week. You're going to use the bench booking bench boost in thirty. I think oh, so. Are you okay? Yeah, because and the I wild card for the for the remaining seven games. I think some of the team the, the teams who have got fixtures in twenty nine, the key teams have got good fixtures in thirty, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Interesting. So that's that's. That's the current one, but looking in, with hindsight, I think if you, if I had the cho- choice now, I'd probably just take those fifteen points and, and not really worry about it. So, a little bit frustrating because I had it planned for for last week for quite a while. I mean, it's, it's it was just Martinez though. I mean, another twelve points. I mean, Brighton should have should have won that game if we had anyone that could finish. We would have done, but he was just outstanding again. Like he's just unbelievable how good Martinez is for for Villa. Like it's just. He's like Pope of, of a couple of years, almost like Pope this season, but you know, when Pope a couple of seasons ago was just literally saving everything. Like you went into every Burnley map thinking there's no way they're going to get past him. He's like that. So at the moment, it's it's Martinez up there. I know I keep yeah. mentioning him, but he really has been, he's just incredible. It is, it is incredible what he's doing this season. And it, um, it's hurting me because I, I got him in eventually um, about 10 game weeks ago and then got rid of him on the wild card because obviously the, 
the focus was on the bench boost. And it just shows you, I mean, one of the lessons that I've learned from this season is the bench boost can hurt your planning, can hurt your season. And I do think that that was one of the issues there. Selling Martinez to get Pope and Johnston because of the bench boost was probably an error. Um, and yeah, now I'm paying for it because Martinez is outperforming Pope. And I just hope that, Obviously, I'm going to wildcard again later, probably in 30 or 31, and it'll be Martinez who'll be a target then. I haven't looked ahead of the fixtures. But even regardless of fixtures, he's he's uh, he's so good. I think Villa do have a tough end to the season. I think this next spell for the next seven or eight game weeks is the best spell for Villa in terms of fixtures. And I haven't got Martinez. So that is a problem. And I, I, yeah, I don't see me going back to him because of the pursuit of double game week assets. I don't think I'm going to change my keeper because Burnley have got two fixtures. So... It happens. It happens right? every year. It yeah. happens every year with a goalkeeper. You, you think the grass is greener somewhere else. You, you, you change him for for someone, and then you never want to change him back because you never want to use a transfer on a goalkeeper. The fixtures are always. I mean, look at look at Villa versus um, Arsenal. Now, if you're looking at Pope versus Brighton or Martinez versus Arsenal, you're picking you're picking Pope every time. But when you've got a keeper in, in the form that Martinez is is in, it's just it's so nice having that guy just there, set and forget. Forget about it. And you're right. It's, it's, it's everything else. It's trying to be clever. It's trying to think about the bench boost, think about double game weeks. I mean, Martin's outscoring Pope this week. Never would have thought that that, was, that would have happened. But there it is. So, yeah, I, I, I do it every year. Every year I, I, I swap. I remember a few years ago when Pope was at his absolute best. He had a tough run of games and I swapped him out for Pickford. And Pickford conceded in every game. And I think Pope got two absolutely massive hauls in, in those fixtures. And yeah, it cost me, cost me yeah, like tens can, of thousands of rank. We kind of underestimate the keeper and how important it is. And I think, I think there is a, you know, there's not a lot to choose from a lot of the goalkeepers, 95% of them. But then the top one or two, and especially the top one, is often quite a margin ahead of the rest. And if you've got that keeper and you hold them in the right spells, they can be pretty devastating differentials. Um, or like Martinez is to me, hurting me every week. So... Yeah, it's definitely a lesson learned to take into next season, that is, to appreciate yep. the top keepers and not give them up so easily, even if it does mean having one game and a double game week bench boost situation. Which, Yeah, in hindsight, um, I didn't have a bad one. 93, I'll take that. Another green arrow, um, a small green arrow for me, not as large as yours, but crept into the top 20K, so I'm happy where I am. I mean, it. You know, I, I did invest in this game week to a certain extent. I, I expected a bigger score, perhaps, or a bigger arrow, or hope for a bigger arrow, but it didn't happen. But I'm happy and I'm positioned to OK. I've still got two free transfers going into this game week and into the doubles. It just depends whether I use both um, the game week 26 or not, so uh, 25 or not. We'll look at that later, of course. Um, I had Pope in goal, Cancelo, Diaz, Kufal, Tarkowski. Bafina, Suchek, Gundogan, Fernandez, Son and Bamford. Of course, I could have gone Loughton. I mean, what did you make of the Loughton goal? It was incredible because um, it's funny. I was listening to General on his 59th minute podcast and he said, I'm going Loughton. And, he's, and his reason for it wasn't anything other than Loughton was the cheapest Burnley defender and he didn't want an expensive Burnley defender on his bench later in the season, like leading up to his wildcard. Made perfect sense. But of course, there was also that outing of Palace's weakness on the left-hand side. And the fact that Loughton had improved in terms of his what his attacking potential recently. So some got on him because of that. It wasn't due to the cost at all. But it was some goal, wasn't it? It was his first goal in eight seasons. Crazy. I'm not buying any reason for getting Loughton <laughs> in other than 
you either didn't have the cash for yeah. Mikhail Tokowski or you were adopting general strategy of not wanting to spend much on a on a Burnley defender. There's just there was you're not you having it at all. Try and you can mould the stats however you want. I'm I'm not buying it. It's just the stuff of like it's why fantasy football is uh, you know it. I haven't got him, but even I have to appreciate just how ridiculous there's a player who hasn't scored in whatever, uh, in a double game week, but the only week in which people would actually consider bringing him in bangs in a, a worldie like that. And, you know, even the, the, the press conference at the end, there's, he was saying, yeah, like no one could believe it. Like I had to, it feels like a dream, like all the talk, like, you know, he was getting stick for, for you know, for it. but it had to be this week, didn't it? Like if it happened last week, You'd be like, oh no, he's done it just before a double game. The fact it actually happened in this week is is incredible. So yeah, congrats anyone that that had Lauten. I'm not even angry. I just think it's I think it's because I, I I'd pick Tukowski on me any day. Although last week we we did say that there wasn't much evidence to suggest that they'd get much joy from from corners because they don't seem to be that. Well, good they did. Them. Palace was so bad at them. Rodriguez scored direct from a corner. Yeah, yep. and that could have been I mean, me or it could have been Tarkovsky. It just went on Rodriguez instead. Um, a comment from an Ant A here. Mark is talking bollocks there. Louton is cheap and that's why people picked him. End of. That's your attitude. I'm not saying that wasn't. I'm not saying that wasn't Ant A. I'm just, <laughs> if, if I had picked Louton, I might have tried to spin it and sold it as if, well, I look, of course I looked at the data and <laughs> yeah. So Patrick Van Arnold on the left is definitely the weak link of that. I would have tried, but you wouldn't have bought it, would you? Nor would have Ant A. Thanks for change him saying you're talking bollocks once, rather than me. I'll take it. Yeah, take that. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I definitely would have just gone, well, Tarkovsky and me from corners, they'll win some corners and Palace are weak at them. We did talk about yeah. that, right? So I would have definitely gone. And and money money isn't a problem for most of us. That's why I'm amazed. And so the only reason you would have done it is General's theory of, well, if I get a cheap one now, if I need the money later, and, he's, and he suspects yeah. we are going to need our money later, um, then it's it's the better option. So I saw the logic there. He must have been delighted with that. And um, yeah, you've got congrats. to see if you do that. Though, you've got to see the funny side. Like, General yeah. wasn't like trying to pretend that he was. Mm. He was this like mm. genius who brought him in. Like he was like, okay, yeah. you know, got got completely lucky there. And sometimes that's that's kind of what happens. But yeah, I, I, I think it's great. I think I think it's hilarious. Yeah, um, stuff like stuff like that. I, I think. It's well, it's fun. folklore. <laughs> it's a story you're going to tell, isn't it? And, and exactly. No, it, Player, double game mix are a chance for players like that to emerge as heroes, don't they? Well, look at Aina, the Fulham yeah. guy, 20 points. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. crazy, isn't it? And so if you have one of those, if you take a chance on one of those players, you have a story to tell, don't you, for the season and beyond. Um, so looking at the great and the good league, um, General extended his lead at the top of that. Um, he's now 49 ahead of me, probably an unassailable lead, but I'm not going to give up. Still quite a way to go yet. I'm trying to close on Fabio Borge in second at the moment. He's on 16.11. I'm on 15.83. So the gap has narrowed a bit. Um, as you've got a buffer now at, uh, at second from bottom. Mm. So fairly comfortable. And giving chase to Vila Ronca, 22 points. Oh, Vila Ronca, I know. Yeah. I know. He only got 68 this week. So he caught up nearly 30 points on him. Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, I'm not that far behind him. 20, 22 points. And yeah, I mean, if I can go ahead of him, then... I think that'd be be pretty decent. But I, do you know what? I really liked the look of um of late Rise's team this week, and he got eighty four without owning Gundogan mm, at all. Mm. So you know, if he'd had Gundogan instead of Sterling, he would have got an absolute monster because he had he had Barnes, he had he had, he had loads of players who oh, performed. Yeah. So yeah, he had he had a good looking yeah. team. He had the two Burnley as well. He took a four point hit. I mean, he's doing he everything right to get back into this. And captain in Sterling is the way I would have gone as well in that situation. It just didn't come off. Um, 
Miles okay. out of Magnus now. Yeah. Yeah, well, I still haven't contacted him, Low. I have, I have, pa- I have paid <laughs> my charity shy. money, but I haven't contacted. You have, him. you have. Yeah, so I have yeah. done that. Well, I haven't, pa- I haven't contacted Magnus. So um, he is quite a big gap now, isn't it, to me? Fifty-eight. That's a shocker. I didn't realise it's fifty-eight points. Is uh, I know. Yeah, what's Magnus doing? He lost it. And interestingly, in the bottom table there, uh, my team value one hundred and five point nine is now second only to Magnus, who's on one hundred and six. And it's quite interesting because I haven't bothered about team value for a few weeks because. Everyone's got loads of money, and I've crept up to nearly 106 million, which is the best in the uh, in the league. Which means probably means nothing, but let's see when we play our wild cards whether that helps me. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, top 10k. Uh, you've done something interesting this week with this because you've not just looked at the top 10k template for 24. You've also compared that to the template in and around your rank now, which is around 800k. Mm. So, what's your commentary on this as? Well, my conscience, we, we we get quite a few comments every week saying, you know, it's all well and good looking at the top 10K, but what about, you know, the the kind of other ranks? And I did a bit, I've been doing a bit of research this week and I'll, I'll just talk through the, the top 10K first mm. of all. So obviously we had a, we had a few changes this week. Um, Pope Pope came in. So it's Martinez and Pope now. Um, a lot of people have got both, like I do. Other people are now going to be probably selling one or or thinking about the bench boost pretty soon and then dropping one to, to maybe fill up some cash. Uh, it's Cancelo, Sufal, me, Stones, and Diaz. So me has come in, no surprise, with the double game week. Then it's Gundogan, Salah, Sterling, Grealish, and Fernandez. So Grealish is still is still there, despite you called it last week, saying that Villa don't look like they're really going for the jugular with teams now. And I think you're right. I think they're they're I think they're going to be quite happy to grind out a couple of one nil. So. Is he, the, is he the same option that we saw earlier in the season? I still think he's a good option, but I mean, his price is nearly 8 million now. Mm. Uh, and we've got obviously got some good good picks with like Rafina and Gundogan and Suchek and De Bruyne back now. So he might be someone that people are looking to, to sell. Uh, and then up front, Calvert-Lewin dropped out. So Watkins came in. So that was a, a really popular move, selling Calvert-Lewin to Watkins, even though Calvert-Lewin's got the, the double coming up. I know Villa do too, but I'd, I'd rather have Calvert-Lewin, I think. Mm. Uh, he's alongside Antonio and Bamford. Yeah, anyway, so uh, what I did was I just thought, I'll just check um, where I am and see what the template is kind of around around my rank. So Live FPL uh, by Ragaboli is, I mean, if you haven't seen it and you're into FPL, go to it because it is like, it's You can sink a lot of time. It's a rabbit hole, that, isn't it? You can spend a lot it of time is. there, yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. Um, but what I learned actually was... Uh, there's really not a massive amount of difference between the top 10k and actually any other ranks. Like seven, eight hundred k. There's only two differences in in the in the sort of the most owned players, and that's Creswell and Son um, instead of Grealish. And uh, let me just quickly work out who it is. It must be it's Son, isn't it? Yeah, Son. Uh, yeah, sorry, Son and uh, Creswell in for Grealish and Soufal. Mm. So Soufal is actually a bit more of a differential um, in the top, in the top 7800K. I think that's really interesting because what it tells me is, is firstly, uh, you can see the player, you can see why my players aren't getting me huge rank boost because I own a lot. Your team is template like a lot of our teams. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gundogan's interesting because Gundogan's only at 97% effective ownership around my rank. It was 130% mm. in the top 10K. So I gained quite a lot from him, him scoring, which, which was nice. Um, but 
Uh, the other thing it tells me is just it just I think it just really shows how many more active players there are this year because I'd expect to see around this rank in previous seasons a couple of weird picks maybe who scored really well um, you know a few weeks ago that's like a Bama Yang maybe who likes everyone had at kind of the start of the season but it feels like now the seven eight hundred k is actually still made up of like quite active players who are really into it and doing their transfers every week and so it is definitely a harder season the hardest season I think for for that. So it gives me a, a shred of comfort. The main thing is, though, is I think we're, we're going to have an opportunity um, or I'm going to have an opportunity when I play the wildcard to differentiate my team. And I'm seeing people wildcarding into quite template teams at the moment, mm. into this template. And I'm kind of just like, you've probably already got seven or eight of these players anyway. I don't really get it. Why not wait until game week 30, 31? And then really attack those final seven well, weeks. Well, I'll tell you That's what. That's my plan. I'll tell you what. I was watching the Green Arrow tonight, and and Andy on there was um was wildcard and into twenty five. And um, the reason why is because he wants to bench boost. Um, I think in twenty six. So he was wildcarding this week for twenty six. And he's he, he, and it was brought him Adam and um and and Fergie on there brought it up and said, well, yeah, how many of these players did you have anyway? And how much of it is that you're you're doing it? You know, you're going for template players. You're not going for enough differentials. And it's mainly because of the bench boost. Doing exactly the same as I did earlier yeah. in the season, where you let the bench boost dictate your wild card. And you know, again, it underlines the fact that the bench boost is a deceptively dangerous chip in that respect. In that we put a lot of stock into it. And I, I mean, I got a terrible. One. I mean, hopefully Andy does better than my, me, me. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it is. That's what happens, though, isn't it? You start shaping your wildcard to that. And I actually think as well, looking at his wildcard, I was thinking you sh- I wouldn't play that because he was getting template players in and he was, you know, making some compromises in order to get a strong bench. Like he was going stones over Diaz, for example, in order mm. to save money for Kane and stuff like that. And it's, you know, I, I, I do think that that's definitely a lesson learned for me this, this season is, is linking the, the bench boost to the wildcard can work against you. Um, I think the 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 chips are, are you know whether you like them or, or hate them they're, they're, there's kind of different rankings of how good they are. I still think the, mm. the triple captain is you know 15 20 points would be a, a great return with that. Yeah. The bench boost I think you know is a double game week you could be getting 30 34 30 40 points. Um but the wild card is is the best it's mm. it's the best chip because you can set yourself up for a prolonged period of time um, you know, you could, you could reshape your team to get in two or three players who who absolutely smash it over over the the course of the remaining end of the season. And yeah, my strategy isn't to worry too much about about the bench boost and just to try and time that wild card just right to to, to take out some of these more template players and, and try and focus on on getting some differentials in. So, it's, I mean, it's easy to say it's a good plan in theory. It's just about the the trouble is this season has been very much. If you try and deviate from this template, you get absolutely well. This is it. Punished. This is it. But I think like when but we look at Barnes, Barnes is a good example of someone yeah. who can come in and, and shake it up a bit. It could do absolutely, and and perhaps De Bruyne now is a differential, and people wildcarding will probably look at him. Um, but I think when you know I'm going to play the wildcard in 31, probably or maybe 30, that gives me a chance to go for some differentials at the end of the season. At that point, yeah. I'll be looking at my rank going. I haven't moved up. If I'm maybe like twenty thousand still, or twenty to thirty thousand, I'll take some risks. If I'm in the top ten k by then, which I, I doubt it, but you never know, I might be more conservative. So often your situation guides you and what you do. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people saying in chat. I mean, Jerome Hughes says here, wildcard is the best chip, bench boost the worst. Why do people wildcard to accommodate the bench boost? 
it's a good question and something I have got to ask myself next season. But we do it. Like it is seductive because you think if I get this right, the, the ceiling for a bench boost when you've wildcarded the game before is potentially massive. Could be 30, 40 points. But it's so often not that because so often players don't play two games or you get an injury and then one of your bench boost players is needed to come into the 11 anyway. And so, you know, it, it can de- be derailed really, really quickly. And um, yep. that's that's what happened to me. Um, and, you know, I lost the second fixture, didn't I? So it hurt me a lot. And then Leeds had that terrible pitch for the one game they did have. It was bad luck in a way, but yeah. And Johnston didn't Only play the Only someone had game. called, Awful. you know, Leeds losing that yeah, match. Yeah, well, I... I Mm. I need to do a podcast. When I find that person, I need to be doing a regular <laughs> podcast with them, I tell you. Mm. Oh, it's right. hard to be arrogant when I'm seven. No, no, you tell you, it's good. I think that's a very good wind up. Um, okay, let's look at double game meets because there was this um, there was this comment by Pep a couple of nights ago, wasn't there? Um, which took, I mean, where was, I, I want to know where Ben Crellin was when that broke um, because no one expected this from Guardiola um, ahead of the Everton game. Uh, and he effectively says, he was talking about the schedule, saying, you see that schedule that we have at the end of February, and especially March, when the Premier League included two more games in this period against Wolves and Southampton. So what he's done there has, has confirmed game weeks 26 and 27, hasn't he? As doubles for City. The irony of Pep actually giving us some useful, concrete information on what's happening is uh, is not lost on me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it appears so. It, yeah. I can't believe they haven't announced the the, the fixtures yet. I mean, well, Ben was Ben was pretty sure it was coming yesterday, and, and then again today. But I was surprised with that as well. With this out there, that the Premier League haven't rushed it out. I can only presume they're still locked in debate with broadcasters. That's that's the only thing that can be holding it up. Um, did you see Hodgson today as well? Kind of what did he say? Confirmed. What did he say? He, I can't remember exactly what game he confirmed. Can you do a Roy Hodgson word... impression when you say it? You, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even going to no, try. You can't no. say that. Okay, <laughs> okay. But he. Uh, I need like a little owl or something. To, he does look so much like an owl. Um, but he said, uh, he used the word threatened. We've been threatened with an extra fixture during this busy time. I, well, they, I, I like, like the use of that word. They've like dangled it. Like, Ooh, mm. extra fixture here. Yeah. Don't step out of line. We'll give you this extra fixture. Yeah, I mean, poor Roy's uh, in a bit of trouble, is he, at the moment? Because Palace are not looking great shakes. Um, they so are terrible. He, yeah, he needs help rather than uh, an extra fixture. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Surely they're coming tomorrow. Surely they're going to arrive just as we get the podcast out to make it completely pointless. But um, <laughs> Well, I think the, 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 the key thing is, um, is it going to come before... People have confirmed yeah. the wildcard teams. I know. And that's another reason, you know, that was, you know, I'm picking on Andy uh, in the green arrow, but yeah, he was playing his wildcard, obviously <laughs> not knowing what the 26 fixtures are. And that, you know, Adam raised that point as well. And it's really, unf- I think late risers, isn't he playing his wildcard as well this week? I think he is. I, I think, I think he is. Yeah. 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 So there's, there'll be a few people who are looking at that thinking, surely I'm going to know these fixtures by the time the deadline doesn't look like they are, unless they break tomorrow. I mean, they could break tomorrow midday which will give you a few hours this is um that ben krelling guy it's like this we're sponsored by ben isn't it um every podcast mentions him uh, this is the chart that uh, ben's put together and we hoped for an updated version of this but of course there isn't one because all we have to go on is pep's comments and and little murmurs from roy um so it appears what pep has confirmed there is that uh, city will play wolves and southampton in uh, oh sorry, we'll play West Ham and Wolves in game week twenty six, and probably Man United and Southampton in game week twenty seven, which means double game weeks for those teams as well. Um, Wolves will have Newcastle and City, 
uh, and Southampton will have um, Sheffield United and City in 27. And we think Southampton could well have Tottenham in 26 as well. It could be that Southampton have three double game weeks in a row. That's the kind of news we're waiting on at the moment. It could change all our thinking. Question for you. If you didn't get the news of the double game weeks, would you still wildcard if you were planning to? Well, because of the bench boot in 26, I think I probably would, yeah. Because I, I probably even though they're even though they're not confirmed, yeah, I probably would be doing what Andy's doing. In that, if I'm if I if I've booked, in, so you trust Ben that much that he's got this right, even though it hasn't been confirmed. Yeah, I, I I think between Ben and people like James and Planet FBL, who's also doing a lot of fixture speculation, we've got a very good idea what's going to happen, right? And I think we know 26 is going to be a, a bumper double game week, right? So what we don't know is who's going to play twice, really, and who they're going to play rather. So I think. In defence of Andy on the Green Arrow, I would do, be doing exactly the same as him if I still have my bench boost. I'd be bench boosting in 26 and playing the wild card to build for it. Having said, it's a, probably a big mistake of mine this See, I, I've got, I've got that option, mm. but I'm, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it like that much. Like we're, if you look at my team, I'm, I, I don't like the Leeds and Villa like thing, and, and obviously I'd want to be getting in probably a couple of Villa players and and you know I want to keep my leads for that 29 fixture as well um I don't know I'm, I'm just looking at the fixtures and not thinking like Chelsea United Liverpool Liverpool have got that good game against Sheffield United but then they've got Chelsea mm. I, I don't know like you know it's, it's like there isn't Burnley Tottenham and Leicester it's top like Tottenham have got probably the best double game week fixtures which is Burnley and then either Fulham or Southampton but other than I don't want to double up with, with them. I just don't I was trying to build a wildcard team and I was just like, I don't really like any of the players I'm I'm thinking of bringing in. And actually my team is is pretty is pretty good. So yeah, I don't know. I I, th- I think I think this could be a bit of a um a bit of a disappointment that the double game at 26. I think people are getting really excited about it, but I think I think people might regret wildcarding to you know, wildcarding in four or five different players just to attack that double game week when, and then actually it's a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, but. I think it is going, I mean, I always said it'd be more difficult because the European game's going into it as well. And, you know, we, we, when you look at City, for example, now their their potential for rotation now, De Bruyne is back. Now they've got Laporte back in action in defence as well. Suddenly in keepers. I mean, I, I look at 26, I'm probably going to have Gundogan, Diaz and Cancelo. I would be surprised if I get two games out of Cancelo in 26 now. Yeah. And, if, and if I had Stones instead of Diaz, I would be surprised if I get two games out of Stones as well. So suddenly, you know, you are losing, you've got some casualties here just out of rotation, which maybe wasn't the case in 19 when we bench boost quite as much because there was that rest, if you remember. We had the FA Cup and then a lot of the bigger teams had a rest. Um, so that was my point back then, that 26 will be trickier. But it's been made trickier by not having the fixtures yet. And I didn't think that would be a problem. And and that's that's the big deal, I guess, going into mm. the deadline tomorrow. Um, that you're playing the wild card now, a bit blind to who who you're building for. I mean, I think I don't yeah. agree. I mean, with the Tottenham, I don't agree. I mean, Tottenham, Burnley, and Southampton at home at the moment, as we we're going to see, Southampton's defence is pretty awful. Burnley and Southampton home are good fixtures. I wouldn't hesitate doubling up on Son and Kane for those two. I, I mean, Kane is going to be. Everyone's talking about Kane as the booked-in triple captain. That might change, um, particularly if I mean I don't. I was going to get Kane in this week, but I don't know if I am now. But I mean, that's the other thing. Where are you going with the triple captain? You've talked about bench boosting later, but what, what's your thinking there? Are you still putting that in twenty-six? 
Yeah, so that's that's the thing. I mean, if you're playing the bench boost in 26, you're obviously not able to then yeah. play the, the the triple captain chip. I mean, the other option for the triple captain is this week. It's actually playing it on Bamford, uh, or, or or possibly Rafinha. I mean, you know, Kane Kane didn't travel today, and there was kind of uh, you know a bit of a bit of worry about whether he was he was gonna he was gonna be all right. Looks like he is. Mourinho said he's, he's probably going to be fit for the weekend, uh, but you know, I th- I think Kane in 26 looks looks the best option because. Providing he is fit, you know he's going to start both. The fixtures are pretty good. Tottenham in general are a good team to attack for that week because they've then got the game in 29 as mm, well. Mm. And so have Villa too. Um, so that that would be the kind of way I'd do it. I just it's this is the thing though. Like I know I know people are saying you've got to attack 26 with the wild card, but you've got to bear in mind 29. Because if mm. you fill your team up with players who haven't got a game in 29 and you haven't got the free hit, you're going to go into that with no players. Yeah. And then what was yeah. the point? So actually, in, in my situation, it makes sense to, I can still get 11 out mm. for, for 26, 20, 11 doubles in, in 26, have a decent squad for, for 29 and play the triple captainship instead on a play with double game. So that makes sense for my my strategy. If you've got the free hit though and the wild card, then I think you're in a really good yeah, position. You, that, then you can be a bit more adventurous. Yeah, like I mean, Leicester, for example, getting three Leicester, go for Pereira, Madison, Vardy maybe, uh, and then free hit for the for the blank. Yeah, I think having the free hit really does make a difference to 29 or this period because you don't have to build with 29 in mind. I and mean, that's always the case, isn't it? I mean, again, the, the benefit we had last time was the uh, blank came very, very close to the double game week, whereas this time there's a gap. So this time we at least do have game weeks 27 and 28 to build for the blank, whereas last time we didn't have any gap. So the free hit made sense there. Uh, this time, and this is the kind of plan that, I showed um, on the stream last week, and I think you built something similar. And, it, and this is what you have to do. You have to look at this. If you haven't got the free hit, you've got to plan week after week, look at the transfers you're going to make and see yeah. how that affects game week 26 and 29. So at the moment, I did do Justin to Tarkovsky in 24, as you see here on the chart. And I was down to do Sufau to Dallas, Antonio to Kane this week. And that's that's all contributing to having. 10 double game weekers in 26 and then with two more transfers going into 29 and then two on 29 I would have nine or 10 players with a fixture in 29 now that at the moment is what I'm doing but I'm already ripping that up Mm. because I'm thinking of not getting Kane in this week I'm thinking of going Ings because he's got the double game week he's probably Mm. now thanks to what Pep said has got at least one more double game week in, in 27 he's probably got one in 26 as well with Spurs so the prospect of Ings having six games over the period of three when other players have only got three game weeks, um, three matches. Will he start them all, yeah. do you reckon? Well, this is it. I said this on Twitter and I got shouted down. I mean, he has started weekends and midweeks recently, right? So he has been playing regularly, um, as in he's been playing the midweek fixture after the weekend one. And obviously they've let Shane Long go on loan. So they've got some young players who can come in. but they And they're, and they're even benching Adams and playing Ings with Redmond. So it points to the fact that Ings will play every game. But his fitness is always something we question, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you think of a plan like this? Have you done something similar? Um, sorry, I, I was the original person that, mm. that, that did this plan. You copied well, did, me. Did, Don't ask me if I've was done... Your plan, was your plan... I didn't see any colours in your plan. <laughs> like you, you just done I, it. I had colours, thank you? you. I had yellow indicating the transfer I was going to make and, and all that. Uh, I have to admit, though, I didn't go right up to 29. I actually ah, watched your... Um, 
I know. I know. I think combined, we've we've you know, this is this is what we do as as co-hosts this show. We help each other, you know, get the right thing in the end. Fair enough. Uh, no, I actually saw your thing at the weekend, and I I did plan my my way up to twenty nine, and I can't stress enough how useful it is because you can look at the transfers you're bringing in, you can see what fixtures they've got, you can see what you're going to end up with in twenty nine, and that's how I came to the decision that the actually the bench boost in thirty looks quite good for me because the players I end up with, like you say, in twenty nine, have good fixtures then in thirty. So yeah. unless I get another double game week, um, I think that's that's probably when I'm going to do it. But yeah, it's it's really interesting because you you look at your you look at the strategy and you you look at uh, who you can move out and you look how you can strengthen your team both for like 27 and 28, but then also getting a player at the right time and there's a bit of jiggery pokery with it. So yeah, I would I would really suggest doing this. Everyone everyone should should have a vague plan of what they're doing unless you've got the free hit and then just do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean the free hit it is it's a luxury in that respect. And just to say, I mean I've got the wild card showing in thirty. I probably will play it in thirty one for the reasons you said. As in a lot of the players I will have in twenty nine will have good fixtures, and I'll probably hold them and go that extra week to wild card. Um, you know, it, it's a double edged sword that isn't it? Because the, the later that you leave it, the more information you've got. Um, of course, but obviously then the later you leave it, the fewer game weeks there are where you can make an impact with it. So I think I will hold it to yep. 31, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see from there. Okay, let's look at some data. I'll come back to that later because, as I say, I'm, I am may be ripping that up straight away. Um, let's look at some defensive data. And this is mainly really to, to highlight um, the teams that are playing against the uh, double game week teams. This is defensive data for the season and defensive data for the last four matches. And of course, um, Chelsea are one of Southampton's fixtures. And what's to note from them is just under Tuchel, or Tuchel rather, how well they've performed as a defensive unit. They are top, uh, the top defence over the last four matches, which is no feat when you consider how strong City have been. And they are second only to City over the season. I mean, we keep saying this, isn't it? It's, it's the defence that has benefited from his arrival. Yeah, and you talk about mid-season revivals. I mean, look at Alonso mm-hmm. <laughs> suddenly back in the picture. Look at Azpilicueta back in the picture. Uh, yeah, it is, it is incredible. And, you know, I I still don't think you can... I mean, I looked at the, the bench, Chelsea's bench at the weekend. And they had like Pulisic, Kante, uh, Chilwell, uh, Mendy was on the bench. Like, I think there were seven players who I thought would be like first-team players like on the bench. Like it's... And then the team they put out is still winning and, and keeping clean sheets and, and everything. So there are to me, they're just a complete no-go except for except for in defense. And Alonso is a risk because obviously Chilwell's there, but he just that system is just so good. It's so good for and I, I kind of feel like he's a he is starting to become a, a risk worth taking because he's he's gone back to Alonso of old. Like when he plays, he's just in the penalty area all the time. It's it's unbelievable. It's literally like having a striker on your team who who's a defender. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be too much, you know, Alonso coming on for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. I think, you know, if you, if you, if you haven't got the bench boost and, and you've got a bit of cash, I actually think Alonso is a really good, really good pick. Mm, really good pick. I think he's a, he's an exciting pick. Maybe not a really good pick, but an exciting pick. I, 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 I am tempted, uh, but yeah, he's, he's all, he has always got the risk from Chilwell, but yeah, defense, defense wise, I think, and, but Werner is, starting to creep back into Whisper a, a consideration. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, he's, because, he's, he's looking yeah. lively, isn't he? In, in, in the new, he's got a freer role, I think, tucked in behind the striker. Mm. Um, and he's getting in good positions. He's still missing chances. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, he's still, 
still snatches at chances, which is a, it's a I mean, you're absolutely right about Alonso. They're playing that diagonal ball to him, aren't they? They're looking at him on the far yeah. post and nod it back across, which he did a couple of times in the previous game. And they got obviously got Reese James crossing from the right and Alonso arriving on that far post. Yeah, I mean, I like, if he's still, I think he's first about, choice. Yeah, I think he's, he's first choice now. He's he's got to be the ideal player for us to look at. If you're playing a thirty thirty one wild card and he's still playing the majority of games, he's a player to have for the running, isn't he? Got to be. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, talk about Gundogan, but I mean, who would have thought Alonso would be talking about him in, in game week twenty five as being like the ideal player to get in? It's it is crazy, but yeah. I mean, Chelsea. I mean, I don't I don't know what to make of him. I, I can't I can't believe he's he's come in and had such a such an impact with them, particularly defensively. I thought he might come in and really get their attack firing. Yeah, you know, yeah. work out how to use Pulisic and mm-hmm. Werner and and all this stuff. And actually, attack wise, they're still. They're scoring goals, but not not really setting the world alight. But yeah, yeah it's defensively, it's, he's really he's really got. Yeah, and that's the point to make here: minutes per xG conceded over the last four hundred and seventy nine point one. And Southampton obviously play Chelsea in the first first double game week fixture, and uh, it's Leeds in the second. And obviously, the Leeds defence is going to be a much more uh, interesting prospect if you're going in with a Southampton attacker because they are the second worst over the season for minutes per xG conceded fifty two point nine. Only West Brom uh, have got a worse defence than that over the season. Um, over the last four game weeks, Leeds' defence is, is six from bottom. It's improved slightly. So 58.4 minutes per expected goal conceded. Interestingly, um, it's Southampton's defence, which has struggled, though. Look at the bottom two. Over the last four matches, Southampton and Liverpool are the two worst defence over the last four. Um, Quite a season, eh? I mean, you know, Southampton got got beaten by by Spurs right back at the start of the season, and then turned things round. You know, it felt like every week Walker Peters is getting a uh, clean sheet, you know, and and stuff, and everyone's like, oh, you know, Hassan who are amazing and all that, and they've just, yeah, they they they've gone they've gone to pot, and and Liverpool, I honestly, I, I don't know what to make of Liverpool. I mean, Allison still making mistakes. I mean, that Kabak guy didn't exactly look like a world class defender, did he? Didn't. No. Have his name up in lights against Leicester. So I just think playing Hen- still playing Henderson at centre back, not feeling that at all. Thiago, not going to keep going on about him, but something's not right there. So yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not surprised. But bottom, bottom. That is that is some far cry from last year, isn't it? It is. I mean, obviously, it's only the last four. But Liverpool dropping to sixth overall for defence, um, seventy six point eight minutes per expected goal conceded over the season. That is. Only just better than West Ham uh, and Manchester United around that around that period, and, and Wolves at seventy three point two aren't far off either. Um, yeah, it's just been the recent. One. Obviously, Southampton's defensive date over the last four has been skewed by the by the drubbing, the nine 0 at Old Trafford. So we can't <laughs> take too much from that. But if you look at Southampton overall for the season, they're now in the lower half, whereas previously earlier in the season they were considered perhaps an emerging defence to look at. So again, this is something worth considering when. Later on, we were going to talk about which Southampton or Leeds players to look at. Two things to take from this is, yeah, well, Ings could be a good bet, but don't expect perhaps too much out of that Chelsea game, given Chelsea's defensive form. Uh, and perhaps if you're looking for someone like Vestergaard um, to be a defensive asset as an alternative to Dallas, well, Southampton's defence has been pretty awful of late. And so you'd expect Leeds to have mm. some joy in that fixture uh, equally. Um, yeah. I think the reason people are going Vestergaard is because they're targeting leads from set players. Yeah. So he's 
yeah, their, their record isn't great, and he he is a he is a colossus. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, relying like we saw with, with Bernie, relying on on centre backs for goals is a bit of a risky, bit of a risky business. You might end up with a Jay Rodriguez scoring instead. Yeah, if only I had a table later which showed the set piece danger and potential. Of course, I am. So we'll look at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, attacking data again. I've just uh, highlighted Leeds and Southampton here. Um, and Leeds have slipped, to be fair. Uh, over the last four, they're only the fourth most effective attack in terms of minutes per XG, 57.4. And over the season, they were second to Liverpool about 10 game weeks ago. They've now dropped down to sixth overall, um, 58.3 minutes per XG. That was it for a it's newly not, promoted team. It's outstanding. Um, and when you compare Southampton, they're you know, in about the same position in both tables over the last four. And over the season, they're in the lower half. So again, their attack the potential offered by their attack isn't that great and Leeds, despite a recent dip, are still a strong attacking team. So I don't like to... Southampton at all mm. at the moment. I just, I mean, like like last week, like against Wolves, I just, it, it, you know, normally Southampton, anyone playing Wolves at the moment looks like a good fixture, but I just never thought they, they would win. I mean, you look at them against Newcastle, nine men, can't even win that, getting dropped by United. It's not, I don't want Southampton players. I know they might have all these fixtures coming up, but defensive data is terrible. Attack data is not great. I just don't really want any of their players anywhere near my team. So I think I'm probably just going to avoid them completely. Yeah, it's interesting because they I'm are... be stuck with them. Yeah, they are prioritising... Well, they've come out and said they want the FA Cup. They've got Bournemouth in the quarterfinal. They've got a very good chance they're progressing, obviously. Um, and... You know, you wouldn't be surprised if they consider them. I mean, I guess they are safe. I mean, they've got probably got to get six more points to be safe. Um, so you you wouldn't be surprised to see them prioritising the cup and maybe resting prior to that quarterfinal, resting some players. But I, I mean, they they're, they are bottom of the form table, five losses yeah. in a row. Yeah, they, you know, it's yeah, it's it, I don't know. Like someone said in the chat, they they were a trap, and I I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is it. It's fixtures versus form, and a classic conundrum because if they have got three double game weeks in a row it's difficult not to look at at least one of their players you would have thought and obviously that player is mainly going to be Inks but um, we'll come to that in a bit who else is there well, well you know you've got things like Ward Prowse who will play every game oh, and take set pieces Ward Prowse he is he's no. not any, any someone anyone should be considering no I mean he's just, he's one of those players one of those players who who should be a fancy asset, but never really proved it as he and and you know his free kicks are incredible, but you can't book them in, can you? And when we when we look at data, I'm going to show you some data for Leeds and Southampton players, and you can see how the Leeds attack dominates really, and and why the Southampton defense, uh, attack isn't one that seems investable really beyond Ings. Um, just highlighted Bamford in this again. It's the one player who stands out in terms of player data over the season. He's still standing up really well in terms of minutes per expected goal involvement 150.4 that is ahead of you know players like Sterling and Salah Salah on 163.3 Sterling 161.3 interesting that Sterling has gone above Salah in recent weeks so he he definitely has stepped it up Um, but yeah I mean he's the only player really when you look at these two teams Leeds and Southampton he's the only player you describe as an elite fantasy asset this season um, there is another in the Leeds ranks, which is Rafina, which we're going to look at. But um, Bamford over the season has been excellent. Over the last four Are you games, not tempted by him as triple captain? Bamford? 
No, I haven't really considered a triple captain option. I mean, yeah, against really? against the um, against the Southampton defence, you know, and, and Wolves and Southampton, they're, they're not terrible fixtures. But no, it's funny. I hadn't. Yeah, you know, I I'm still debating, as we'll see later, what to do with the captaincy, whether it goes on Rafinha and Bamford. And I haven't really considered playing the chip. I think I'm just set on Kane. And maybe I need. Maybe I've got a blind spot here. Um, you know, maybe. I need to lose the idea that I'm even going to get Kane for 26 and be my triple captain. But I just think Spurs have got those double game weeks coming. We know they've got two at least. Um, and it's because Kane is... But attacking-wise, so Leeds are better than yeah, Spurs. Yeah, yeah. And the fixtures, I mean, playing Southampton, I think is, is a great time. Wolves, Wolves aren't the same team that we've seen. I, I fancy Leeds to get something about that. Um, I mean, the the other option, which was none, I haven't really seen anyone really considering, is um, is Salah in 26. Because he's got Sheffield United away in the first game. Could be a good one. And then Chelsea. So you you kind of are banking on the on the first game. But, you know, as long as he gets something against Sheffield United, I don't think it's it's too bad. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't like... I don't like Liverpool at Sheffield United, though. That's the thing. I, I, no. I just think that, you know, I've backed Liverpool players in that fixture before away and they've struggled they've won the game 1-0 and seen it out I don't think Sheffield United are a team that lose a game 3 or 4-0 that's the problem and they did to West Ham yep they did in that game so one game that they did they did concede that number of goals and we wouldn't have expected they were awful yeah absolutely awful so maybe maybe that is changing maybe they're losing hope I mean at this point Sheffield United look like they're down don't they so maybe the fight is going out of them Um, so maybe we do need to reassess Um. Kane, look, Kane looks good, but I don't. I don't think like we should all just be, you know, because I think this is the thing. You can not not you personally, maybe you, but like just in general, we can all think right. Kane, that's it. I'm not yeah. going to ignore everything no, else and, and just go for Kane. Um, and I think, yeah, like, I, I think Bamford this week is 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 really tempting, uh, tempting me. If it's not Bamford this week, then it probably will be Kane in 26. But yeah, yeah I think there are other players like Salah who we could consider. It's hard. It's hard to get triple captain's hard. Hard chip to get right. You never. You never know. Gundogan would be perfect. It, it is. I think when we look at the captaincy numbers later on, and you'll see, you you might take comfort in in some of the data I've got later on. I look at Bamford and Mafina and Ings. They're the three captain candidates we're looking at, and and what kind of returns we can expect from them over two games. Um, and it perhaps strengthens the case for the triple captain. And just briefly here, though, the last four game weeks, the the. The gap between Bamford and and other assets, and certainly Rafinha, is is nothing. Um, their their level for minutes per expected goal involvement non penalty over the last four game weeks. Uh, Rafinha one goal, three assists. Bamford two goal, three assists over his last four game weeks, and minutes per chance almost equal as well. Um, those two quite considerably above Ings in this data. Um, Ings back on two hundred and two point four minutes per expected goal involvement non penalty. And forty-two point five. I mean, that underlines just how much stronger Leeds are as an attacking outfit, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's it's come at a good time because they've got the double coming up. They've got the game in in twenty-nine, so it's a, it's a good time to load up. And the problem with them is, is like I said, in in twenty-six, they've got that game against Villa. So if you're getting in three leads this week to attack that double, then your bench boost is going to probably consist of. Well, at least some Leeds players in yeah. a game which I don't think is really ideal for them, which is what's putting me off it. Because if I bench boosted, it would probably be like Dallas, Martinez, uh, and Bamford on the bench. Uh, so that's kind of what's that's, that's what's putting me off it a bit. But you never know. I mean, attacking wise, they are really good. And yeah, Rafina, 
I sold him. I didn't want to him a few weeks ago. I ended up selling him. Uh, it was it was a reluctant sale because his ownership's so low. He was doing well, but he's really kicked on since then. Uh, so I'm I'm looking to get him back in this week. He's he's just, he's just really good, isn't he? Really, really good. Player. Well, I mean, I think he's coming to the fore in the last five or six weeks. His role seems to be changing a lot more. He's developing that relationship with Bamford. His set pieces are getting better. Um, so I just think overall he's just becoming more confident as a Premier League player, and you, you can see him flourishing. Um, yeah, and I've got some interesting data. Let's look over the season again. Just this is just a table showing double game week assets. So this is just. Leeds and Southampton players sorted by minutes per expected goal involvement on penalty. And you can see the gap there. Bamford, Rodrigo, Rafina are the top three. Adams is still the top Southampton asset over the season, 229.6. But you can see the you know, Ings is back on 257.8 minutes per expected goal involvement. The Leeds attack over the Southampton attack. I've highlighted players there we could consider. Would you, mm. would, I mean, you've talked about Ward Prowse. Um, We've, there's a lot of talk about Stoic and Vestergaard as potential players to look at uh, defensively because of the set-piece threat. Are you tempted there at all? Not really, because I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite settled with, with my defence. I don't really want to be making too many like, defensive transfers. I've got, I've got Dean, Soufal, Cancelo, Stones, Dallas. I don't really think you can argue with, with any of them. So I don't really want to be getting in Vestergaard because I don't really trust or believe in Southampton defensively. And I think you're you're going to be relying on that kind of set piece threat, and I, I just think relying on centre backs to get you a goal. Like they score so few goals like throughout season, and it mm. could happen. You could get really lucky. You know, congrats if you get it in. But I don't know. It's, it's why I tend to prefer fullbacks because they're generally speaking more attacking and more likely to to get something. So yeah, no, I'm I'm not too I'm not I'm just not convinced on, on Southampton at all. Um, I I just. Like I said, I just don't really, I just don't want them like in my team. Like I just, even with a double, I'm looking like someone like Redmond and being like, you know, oh, Redmond, <laughs> Redmond in my team. No, I don't think it's I mean, a consideration. No, Strout's an interesting one. Uh, I well, think he's 3.9, isn't he? So if you get him in, 3. You've, got, you've got a player there that can sit there in your, on your bench and not use up your budget. Yeah. So, and he is a threat from set pieces. There's no doubt about that. He has been really prominent in the last yeah, yeah. two. Um, I think so, pure, purely budget though, because I, I think Rafina, uh, Bamford, and Dallas—they are, they're the three. Yeah, they're, like, they're, no, no contest. So Dal- Dallas, you still endorse, do you? I mean, I, I we, I we, we think that Phillips is going to be out with an injury, perhaps for both games. It could be confirmed for both games. So that's made me think. Well, maybe I need to rethink the Dallas plan. But I look at these numbers and think he's still, in terms of defensive assets who have got a goal for it he's still out in front here 517 minutes per expected goal involvement which is a lot more than the likes of Vestergaard and, and Stroik over the season so I still think Dallas he's in midfield he's yeah in he midfield is and even when he's not in midfield he's still playing such an attacking an attacking role so he's the second most attacking defender in the game with a double game week game a game in 29 I I, I honestly I, I do feel if you haven't got him you're overthinking it I yeah. think I think he's He's the best defender to have for the next sort of four weeks. And going back to the Rafinha versus Bamford thing, this is an interesting table. This is double game week assets since game week nine. And game week nine is significant because that's when Rafinha got his first start. And since his first start, Aww. he has scored more points than Bamford. He scored 77 points to Bamford's 74. So of all the game week assets, double game week assets, Rafinha since game week nine has been the top scoring one. The case is building, isn't it, for 
yeah. considering Rafinha over Bamford for the captaincy in that respect. So minutes per point, 16.8. Bamford's on 17.5. This is since Rafinha played his first 90 for Leeds. And we've got to also consider that in the last five or six game weeks, he's looked even better. So it looks like he's stepped on again. Mm. Um, and Dallas is high in this. So you look at that, uh, 77 points from Rafinha since game week nine. Dallas is on 69. So I think that's third overall behind Bamford and Rafinha. So again, yep. any doubts I have about Dallas, I perhaps have to rethink because his recent form has been strong. Uh, and you've got to, you know, look, look down the list of the likes of Vestergaard. I know he's played fewer minutes, but minutes per points, 28.8 compared to Dallas up at 19.6. There is no comparison. So you might get lucky with a Vestergaard over double game week, but Dallas still looks the, the sensible pick, doesn't he? He's, he does, yeah. And, and, and like you said, like we said last week, when you've got someone playing in that kind of advanced midfield role, all it takes is just a pass and a Rafina to beat three defenders and smash it into the top corner. And he's got an assist. He gets the clean sheet points as well. You know, you saw it from Lundstrom last season. It's, when, when you've got a defender in that kind of role, it's, it just has the potential to unlock so many, so many points. And it, it does feel like Dallas is flying under the radar still. I know he's, I know he is highly owned. I know he's in a lot of teams, but. He's not talked about with the same joy that, that Lundstrom was last season, but he's he's playing a similar kind of position. Okay, he hasn't hit a 21-pointer like Lundstrom did, but I mean, he got 12 points against Palace just with some you know, assist. Yeah, he's, he's scoring assist, yeah. goals. Yeah, it's, it, he's a good player to own because Leeds do concede a fair amount of goals, and yet he tends, he, he, a lot of the time, he comes away with an attack in return. So I really like him. Bamford's got the penalties. Just still think takes him above above Rafina uh, for a captain. Uh, has he, I think he scored one penalty, isn't he, Bamford? He has, and, and since game week nine, Cleach got one penalty there. So he, yeah. there was one other goal which perhaps Bamford would have got. So he would have pulled ahead of Rafina had he taken that penalty. So he's very, very tight. Um, and penalties, to some extent, outweigh the recent form, which shows Rafina's maybe got the edge. Um, but I guess what we've got to talk about when we get to the captaincy is the ownership and whether you let that become a thing in your thinking. Um, no, you don't. No, you, I answer. know that's what you're going to say. I'm fully prepared <laughs> for that argument. But, um, you know, I mean, some of us want to try and take a risk and it's risk versus reward, isn't it? I just want to go back to the set plays because we talked about it earlier about looking at Stroik, looking at Vestergaard. I've got some tables here. First table, minutes uh, per expected goal on set plays. And you can see that Leeds and Southampton are pretty low in that table. So in terms of teams who are most likely to score at set plays, um, Southampton are sixth and bottom and Leeds are eighth and bottom. Um, so they're not particularly strong at set play, which is surprising given War Prowse and his delivery. And when you think that, you know, he scored direct free kicks, when you think when his delivery would help set play situations, it definitely does. He definitely does take a good corner. But, they haven't fully exploited that. Um, so just to go into it a bit more, the third table here shows, again, percentage of successful corners into the box. I looked at this when we looked at Burnley's potential. And so even with War Prowse taking corners for Southampton, they are um, ranked sixth and bottom for successful corners into the box. Yeah, And Leeds are seventh and bottom. So both of those teams, if you're investing in Stroich and Vestergaard, for example, thinking, well, the potential for a corner, assist a goal from a corner just bear this data in mind they are playing Leeds of course um, and Leeds in terms of conceding goals from set plays are the third worst team in the league and that's mm. what the table two shows so there is 
Still the chance you'll get something in that Leeds game if you go in with Vestergaard or even perhaps Warprowse on set plays. But I think this shows just how much of a long shot that is, given that Southampton get an XG every 407 minutes on set plays. That's that's a lot of minutes per XG on set play. So, yeah, perhaps don't put your house on it, is what this data says. Agreed. Okay, let's go back and start looking at the uh, fixtures. And I think, as um, we'll we'll quickly skirt through the prediction tables. No, uh, no, no, let's please. Just get on no, to let's next not. week. Let's just get on to next. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, okay. Yeah, you had a good run. Yes, you've closed the gap. It's I level. Did. Yeah, what happened there? You got eight right, didn't you? Unbelievable. I got eight right. Eight right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what happened. I think you you did go a little bit. You went a little bit rogue. I think you got a bit um, get cocky, bit overconfident. Yeah. You went for a Newcastle draw. Uh, cocky like is the word. Don't um, don't don't mention cocky. it. Yeah. Cocky. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if if we can keep this around fifty percent uh, to the end of the season, then then I will absolutely take that. So yeah. you're still winning on points. You, yeah. you 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 do get more exact results than me, but generally speaking, we're the same in terms of. Uh, actual match results so far. So so far. Here we go then. This week, uh, let's talk about the results. Or I do no prep for these, week. by the way. No, not I, just, I. I shoot from the hip. No, well, I think I think this is. I think we do so much prep for our teams that actually talking about our gut feeling for these features mm. isn't a bad thing. Sometimes that's the most honest way of doing this because I mean, you know, Noah, you can look into the data behind this a lot more and base your predictions on data. But I think we do so much for data in the show anyway, it would be very dry if we started doing our predictions like that as That's well. That's true. So, yeah. so let's, just, let's just speak from the gut, really, um, so to speak, uh, when we talk about Wolves versus Leeds, first of all. Um, Wolves are a side that we don't associate with scoring many goals, but Leeds are a team obviously give up opportunities. So we'd think there'd be something in it for the home team here. Um but I, I, I've got a fancy Leeds away from home. They've been strong, and you know Bamford mm. and Rafinha away from home have been very effective. And I don't know if I trust the Wolves' defence. I mean, they they have looked better playing the playing the old system, the three at the back. But I think Leeds could nick this. My head says one all, but I'm going to go with Leeds win. I'm going to go with my heart and go two one Leeds. That's what I had. That's what I had in mind as well. Two one. I think. You know, Leeds obviously confidence boosting result against Southampton. They were losing that game as well, weren't they? And they were they losing it? Yeah, I think they were. They came back uh, and and won it. So you know, big big win for them because they need it. They've just had a really rubbish season. Uh, but yeah, I just I think it's a good game for Leeds. I think Leeds are almost like Wolves have been in previous seasons, just really attacking, really re- you know, relentless at times. Loads of energy, uh, system that seems to work and suit all the players. And Wolves seem to have lost that a bit. So, yeah, I'll, I'll back Leeds 2-1. Okay. And uh, the other double game week team, Southampton, kick us off on a Saturday morning with a game that... Aren't these the two teams that you're best at predicting? Are they? Uh, I think yeah, according they're... to FPL Pot Noodle. They are two. I am very good at Leeds. Yeah, I think you're right. No, Southampton-Chelsea are the two teams that I've got the outcome correct. Yeah, the most every right. Time. Yeah, yeah. So this game, I think I said, Ooh, didn't I, when Southampton played Chelsea, I should put my mortgage on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I've yet to get one of these teams wrong in terms of outcome. So I, I, I don't. Really no, you got think... Chelsea. You got you got them both wrong last week. Oh, you, got, I? You, you had a Chelsea draw and you had a Southampton win. So Brilliant. you've already blown it, to be honest. But... Never mind. I'll pretend it's still. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't see Southampton scoring in this game. To be fair, because uh, you know, even though I'm considering Ings, I don't consider that I'll get too much from this if I do go in for him. I'm going to go with a. 
2-0 Chelsea. At least 2-0. They always do well here. Abraham got a hat-trick here, didn't he? Was it last season? Um, oh, we got a couple of goals here. I think I had Pulisic in that game, and I think he came out with something as well. They won quite handsomely. I think they got four goals. I'll go 2 0. Yeah, I'll go 2 0 as well. That was, that was the score I had in mind. Uh, you have to let me go first. I, mean, I, I see, you, I see your tactic you. now. Draw level with me and then just copy me all the way. <laughs> just, just copy it exactly, yeah. Okay. That, I, I, just think, I just think they're going to have too much for them. I think 1-0 is, is underselling it a little bit because I think they'll get two. Mm. I don't think Southampton are good defensively. I don't think Southampton will score. I think it could be 2 or 3-0. I, 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 but I'm going to I'm going to stick with 2-0. Just to Lawrenson, Harry Lawrenson. Uh, Burnley, West Brom. <laughs> oh dear, Burnley, West Brom. I'm taking Pope oh, and Tarkovsky into this game in hope that I get a clean sheet, but actually Dinia, the new striker that West Brom have got. Um, if we go back to the, uh, the, the data that we had, um, which was um, players in recent game weeks, was it? Was it players in recent game weeks? Yeah, there he is over the season. He's now fourth. He's crashed in. Minutes wow. per expected goal involvement, 135.6. So they have got themselves a striker who looks a bit dangerous. So, I think there's every chance they score in this game. So I'm going to go yeah. with another one. You're going draw. first again. Yeah, one all draw. Again, yeah, one all. I'm half tempted to back a West Brom win, you know. Mm. Uh, I mean, the United game was, I mean, I bought in Rashford this week for Son because I went on the FPL show and I was talking about Fernandez captain. And in the end, Rodri came back and I felt like, you know, I think if Rodri had been out, I might have been tempted to have gone for, for Fernandez in that game. Because I, I honestly, I know it's easy to say with hindsight that it wasn't it wouldn't have been a good option, but I really thought United were going to win that game heavily. It, all the signs pointed to a big United win. So in the end, I brought in Rashford to kind of cover the big mm, win. Yeah, and, and went for Gundogan, uh, and it just didn't transpire. Uh, I was quite impressed with West Brom. I, th- I thought they played really well. So I'm going I'm to go for a two-one West Brom. Yep. Okay. Goals. 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 Gemma, we're looking for the three points there. I mean, I think West Brom, I don't really think they've got a chance. I think all the teams down the bottom, Fulham have probably got the best chance of getting out of it. But I think West Brom have got some goals mm. in them now. We'll see a bit more from them, I think. Maybe they'll not get enough points, but they might get a few goals. Liverpool for Everton. Um, very tricky, this. We think mm. Calvert-Lewin will be back for Everton, don't we? And Liverpool were impressive against Leipzig. I mean, I don't have Salah, so I'm perhaps going to be biased and and predict. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Predict that Liverpool are going to be um, not going to be going on a goal rush, um, and I don't think they will. I mean, I, again, I I looked at the Leicester game and that they didn't impress me in that Leicester game. I mean, Salah had chances, but he he, he missed a couple. He's going to miss chances in games. We know that, um, but he did look sharp against Leipzig, as did Money, of course. I think I have to back a Liverpool victory here. I may well be starting Alexander-Arnold anyway, who's looked a bit better recently. But um, hmm, do, I, do I see them conceding? Yes, I do. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool, and I think Salah's probably going to hurt me. Yeah. Uh, interesting one. I mean, Everton v Fulham, I can't ever remember seeing a worse performance than Everton in that in that game. They were just... I mean, I, I don't know how a, a, a team playing under Ancelotti can turn in a performance that bad, especially considering man. how we've we've seen them the, earlier in the season. I mean, the last performance I can see being that bad was West Brom against Fulham. But you're comparing West Brom to the resources that Everton have and the way they've been playing. I mean, it was so just so disappointing. Uh, they were better at t- in spells against City, but City were just 
superior. Like they, mm. uh, it's hard. It's hard to judge them. I think they'll make life quite hard for Liverpool, but I think both teams will score. I, I reckon it could be quite a score. I'll go for a two all. Okay, two all. Wow. Okay. Mm. Uh, Fulham, Sheffield United. I've got a bat Fulham God. here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, have Sheffield United lost their fight? I mean, they kind of the West Ham result could be the. The, yeah. the final nail if you like and I think I wonder whether they have lost the battle now and they are giving up but they're not a team you associate with that and Wilder's not a manager you'd think let his team do that but I do think Fulham will prevail here one nil I'm going to go Fulham good time to play Sheffield United I think mm. and, and Fulham have been pretty good um, I'll back Fulham I reckon 2-0 two 2-0 nil. Two nil Fulham okay and West Ham Spurs now I was buying Kane going into this but What's the latest on that tonight? Because there's kind of lots of rumours broke tonight about this. Mm. He was missing from the squad for the Europa League game. Um, and there was a tweet from um, the West Ham employee guy who often gives us inside information on the Hammers saying that he felt or he heard that there was a, a reason for his absence. Has anyone come out and poo-pooed the fact that he's got an injury? I think wasn't there a quote from Marino saying he couldn't travel as well, alluding to the fact there could be a reason. Yes, but the, when the reporter asked, because the, the, the rumours were mainly around the fact that he hasn't been pictured in any training picks mm. and he didn't travel with the squad. So it's, it yeah. is a little bit strange. But the comments from um, Mourinho indicate that he will be okay for the weekend. Right. So it does still feel like a bit of a, a risk to bring him in, but I think he, he I think he'll, I think he'll play. I think he's just being, he just got back from the injury, isn't he? I think he's just being managed. Mm. Managed a oh, bit, I don't think which is was, rare for a manager to do with Kane. Yeah, I, I don't think there was ever going to be a doubt he wouldn't play in the European tie, but I thought he would have travelled. I guess the travelling alone is something that you want to try and miss out on. Fair enough. Uh, his record against West Ham, his record against West Ham is incredible. Um, often in home games, he absolutely takes them to the sword. So I think he plays. A, a West Ham's defence is strong. But I don't know. I, despite doubts about, so I, I think Marino has kind of shown signs that he's loosening the shackles somewhat on the Spurs attack. That cup tie at Everton was ridiculous. I, mean, I know he spoke afterwards about attacking football. You concede five goals. He's almost saying, "There you go. That's what happens. You lose a game when you try and attack. Why do you? Why do you insist I play attacking football? I think he's feeling some pressure though to let Spurs off the leash a bit. So mm. I do think they get a couple of goals here. I think they're going to win this. 2-1. Yeah, you, it's Antonio as well. Is, that, is Antonio going to be fit? I, I don't, yeah, I don't he's, think he's going to be. He's he? a risk. Mm. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm not sure he will be. I think if Antonio's fit, they score. If he's not fit, they don't. Um, I will go for... I don't know. It's a tricky one. I think Spurs could either win it quite comfortably or it could be close. <laughs> It doesn't help. This is the content um, people want, isn't it? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what... Or West Ham could win. You know, they, it's, it could it's, be. It's... It could be a win for Spurs, a West Ham win, <laughs> or even a draw. I mean, one of those three mm. outcomes will be. Mm. Uh, I'll back Spurs. I'll go for. I can't even remember what you said. I'll go for. Uh, I'll go for two nil Spurs. I've gone two one. Yeah, fair enough. Villa Leicester. Uh, I am going to tip Leicester here. I I think Villa are in a funny phase of the season at the moment. Um, I think that. They've obviously had a very good season uh, and I think they're going into games, like I said previously, I think they're going into games now trying to get results. But I think Leicester are the form team uh, in the division at the moment. I think they're, I mean, I, I was very impressed with the way they punished Liverpool 
Vardy's back, obviously. I think he got taken off tonight, slightly rested. He got an hour, I think, tonight. Uh, Barnes is obviously difficult to handle. I think Leicester win this, and I think there's a few goals here. I know Martinez is a great keeper, but one of the reasons why he's doing so well is he is getting exposed to shots. That's why he's getting saves and bonus, right? Against a team that take their chances, I think Villa and Martinez will struggle, and Leicester are clinical. Um, unless it's Barnes who does waste chances, but Madison and Vardy are clinical. I think Leicester win this three nil. Wow, that's very different. It's very different to what I think. Uh, I think. I think. I mean, Martin uh, Boyle said in the chat, Villa getting tired, and it's like every time I see the Villa lineup, it's exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like they really aren't rotating people. That you know, they've really got a settled squad, and I like that in a way because I think the teams that tend to have a settled squad tend to do better because they know each other and they learn patterns and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it, it has struck me recently that they're not, they're not the team that were energetic and beating, scoring all those goals against Liverpool. And, and you called it last week and it, watching them against Brighton, it was in, really interesting to see Brighton outplayed them in, in that match. And it was annoying that, that Brighton didn't come away with more. Uh, but I do think they have the ability to frustrate and to defend well. Um, Leicester are really good, but, Again, I mean, against Liverpool, they, they struggled for quite a while. And then it was just a crazy 10 mm. minutes where they just mm. really turned the screw. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to back the old as the old as 1 1 on this one. I, I can't separate them. I think, I think it's going to be a good game. Okay. But I'll um, go for 1 1. A couple of things in the chat. Yes, uh, Sir Gregs, you are right. This is game week 25, and the title does say game week 24. My bad. I apologise for that. I will. I keep getting that wrong, and you're the first to spot it. What title? At the top, it says Game Week 24 features. It's not 24, it's 25, of course. Oh, Mark. I know. And the other thing is, SK says in the chat, Cash injured. Yes, he is. Cash could miss out. And that is quite important. El Mohamedy against Barnes is not a matchup I'd fancy if I was Dean Smith. Um, So I think that could be a a play, an area of concern for them. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I do strongly fancy Leicester here. And, and Villa at the moment, I just a lot of talk about getting Grealish back for the double game weeks, but I'm not as convinced at the moment about Grealish. He's getting man marked by two players now. A lot of teams going into that game and just sticking two players on him, um, and that that helps people like Barkley and and obviously Triori, who's profited recently. But I don't think Grealish has got big scores in him at the moment. I'm not seeing it yet. You can maybe punish me and ram those words down my throat, but I just don't see it. Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal, Man City. City are playing all right at the moment, aren't they? They're, they're looking all right, I think. So I quite fancy, yeah. I mean, this is any game of City at the moment is the outcome is almost inevitable. Is it 17 straight victories in the league? Uh, or overall, rather? It's ridiculous. Um, City to win this just by how much, though? Bamiyang back in the goals, of course. Looking like a fancy asset. Could he be a differential for the end of the season? If he plays centrally again? But I only see City winning this. And again... How much does Pep want to go for it? I'll go two 0 He he could he could let them run light and get three or four, but I think with the amount of games they've got, he'll manage this out and start resting players with ten twenty minutes to go. So I'll go two 0 Yeah, my my first thought was three 0 I mean, Arsenal were a funny team. I mean, they you know they they were awful against Villa, and then they've actually turned in some some pretty decent performances since then. Uh, Bamming through the middle is is quite exciting it's just do you take the risk on it I'd like to uh, at some point but I don't know it, it does feel like a bit of a gamble but yeah I think City are just, just going to have too much for Arsenal like Arsenal try to play a lot like City 
but have much worse players. <laughs> so it's only when you've got two similar styles going up against each other and one team's got a much better squad, you can only really back one one winner. So I'm going to go for a 3-0, 3-0 city. Okay. People saying you didn't give a prediction for Villa less. You did. It was one all. You went one all, didn't you? Yeah, one all. Yeah. One all. United, Newcastle. Um, yeah. United are a hard team to predict. It's on paper looks like a, a, a straightforward victory, but we thought that at West Brom and it was anything but that. Um, but I still, you've still got to back United here. I don't think it'll be a goal glut necessarily. I think Newcastle know how to defend and Bruce can put up some resistance. I will go 1-0 United. Just a 1-0, I, th- I think more. I think that, that West Brom game has got to have hurt United quite a lot. Like drawing one all with West Brom is completely unacceptable. Uh, you know, if you're going to, you know, if they're even going to finish in the top four, they, they, there's so many teams that, that could, that, that could, that could pick them this year. Leicester, West Ham, do Everton get their act together? They've got Arsenal creeping up, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs. Like there's so many teams. You cannot be dropping points to, to, to West Brom. So they need to sort it out. I don't like Rashford on the right. Mm. I, I don't know, like Greenwood's, I, I don't know. I looked at that team. I, I bought Rashford in. I looked at that lineup and I just thought, ah, oh, sticking Rashford out on the right. He's so ineffective there. So hopefully he goes back to the left. They they carry on with Cavani. The, the, the front three has got to be Cavani, um, Rashford and Greenwood to me. But he wants to get Martial in there, doesn't he? That's the thing. <sighs> and he can't yeah. get Greenwood I, and Martial there. That's the problem he's got. Martial is so frustrating because he's obviously such a talented player, such a good player, but he's just so inconsistent and he's so... So infuriating when he's just looking really annoyed and walking around the pitch and, and stuff. And you, you know, we saw at the end of last season what he's capable of, but oh, just just drives me mad. You look at someone like Cavani, the amount he runs, the amount he you know he's he's you know he's you know an old boy, not that old, but by football standards, and he's still you know, the distance he covers is is remarkable. So hopefully it's those front three up front. I think United win this 3-0. I think Cavani's got an injury. I think at the moment people say in the chat, yeah. It's, he? It's no, so he's a doubt for the game as well. So Martial might end up playing. Oh, that will get no, Rashford. I've said 3-0. I'll stick with 3-0. Okay. All right. Uh, I have too much for Newcastle anyway. Yeah, possibly. It's just uh, Newcastle, again, a, a difficult team to predict. They haven't got Wilson, of course. So I think they're just going to go and put men behind the ball. It'll be a Sheffield United style formation, won't it? But we'll see. Brighton Palace. Um, we always back Zaha in this game, but we don't expect him to be here, do we? In Palace at the yes. moment. I mean, Brighton have got to go into this game full of confidence of getting the points here. Defensively, it's funny, isn't it? We've been looking at Brighton's defence all season, looking at the numbers and going, well, what? There's no way Brighton are a top defence. Brighton are a top defence now. They are actually delivering on that. And Sanchez and Dunk are players that, you know, if it depends on how the double game it fixtures fall that we perhaps should be considering it. Certainly, if there wasn't double gaming, they would be on our list. We'd be looking at the fixture ticker and considering Brighton defensive assets. So I, I just can't see Palace scoring in this game because they've got no threat. And I think Brighton, it's just a matter of can they score goals? That's been their problem all season. 1-0 looks a sensible score, but I'll go 2. I'll say Brighton will win 2-0. Biggest derby in the league. Of course this, it is. It's the one they all want, isn't it? That's why it's 8 o'clock on a Monday night, you know. Yeah, I mean it's what the people want. Uh no, I mean I don't I don't like to, to celebrate any injury, but 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 what did someone say to me? Is that like everything that follows a but is is a lie? Uh it's not a lie, obviously I don't wish we need anyone, but Zaha is the bane of Brighton. Like it yeah. is ridiculous. He scores every time he plays us. So 
yeah, I won't be sorry that he he does he does miss out. I, I think I think Brian win this. I, I think we win it. Um, I think we win it sort of fairly comfortably, but a comfortable win for Brian is probably a one nil. <laughs> I think I yeah. can't just I don't I don't think we've got loads of goals in us. Uh, Welbeck should be back, which is good. I fancy him to lead the line better than Tao and, and Mope. Uh, I can't see Palace scoring, so I'm, I'm going to go for a one nil. One nil. I think it's to set plays though. Brighton looked effective on those. Dunk has suddenly Dunk, become the goal. Yeah, Dunk's good. Dunk could be a good player to, to be bringing in because he's got the game in 29 yeah. Um, yeah. as well. And Palace are a week. We saw Burnley expose them on set plays. They are the worst side in the league for defending set plays in terms of XG conceded. So I think there's joy there. So I think a set piece goal and maybe Mope but, deliver for Welbeck. Project One says Palace worst team in the league right now. Hard to disagree with that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's them, target. it's them or Southampton at the moment. You'd say who yeah. are the... The, the teams that they're the whipping boys. If we're going to describe anyone as a whipping boy, yeah, yeah. it would be them. Um, yeah. Last fixture then leads Southampton, probably the most interesting fixture. Cause I mean, this, this will be the game where if you do invest in double gaming assets, you'll expect points from Ings at Leeds. Uh, you'll also expect Rafinha and Bamford to deliver as well. And if you've got a Southampton centre back or Ward Prowse, you'd hope for some set piece glory. Um, I, I mean, you've got to think Southampton will score. But again, every game now, I just fancy Leeds to win it. It could be yeah. one all. It could be a tight game. But I just Southampton are giving up chances, and Leeds are, gen- are creating chances still. Three one, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go two one. I think I think Leeds. I think Leeds win it. I think Southampton. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to back a Leeds clean sheet. Um, you know, especially against a team who who, who do have War Prowse. So. You know, it could be Vestergaard gets something. It could be Ings benefits. Walprouse gets something. I, I, I don't think I'd be getting in two Southampton players though. Like maybe, maybe one is a bit of a punt. Maybe an Ings or a Vestergaard. I wouldn't go near Walprouse, but yeah, I fancy him to get him. I'll, I'll just go. I'll just go two one leads. This is what I mean. I'm, I'm backing two leads wins. Um, you know, Bamford really high mm, on yeah. the chart. So I think it, it has to be a consideration. I mean, he's going to be most people's captain this week. I do think he's a consideration for the triple. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, I've predicted five goals for Leeds. So, yeah, exactly. Bamford's got, to, you know, got to be in the chance of getting two or three of those, given his involvement yeah. for them. I think he's got fifty-six percent goal involvement for them. Yeah, yeah. So you'd think that you know, there's a, at least a couple in it for him if those results do come come true. Um, we'll see. We're going to look at the captains now, and this is, I mean, Bamford and Rafinha. You hold the fort for a second. I've got to go absolutely um we're looking at the captain matrix at the moment so i'll just talk briefly through this unfortunately uh, the captain matrix is um a bit pointless at the moment because we don't have the double game week features i did hope that this would be a lot more relevant and i could populate it with double game week players but right now obviously we don't know the fixtures um so right now looking ahead all we can do is base it on what's in front of us and game week 25 Obviously, we've got Bamford and Rafina with Wolves and Southampton as a double game week. Ings versus Chelsea. But I've also looked at, um, when we look at the captains in detail, some of the single game week players as well. That is Salah versus Everton. Fernandes versus Newcastle. Gundogan versus Arsenal, given we hope he's back from injury. Uh, Kane versus West Ham, who hopefully is fit. And Son versus West Ham as well. So I think our focus, I mean, certainly when As gets back, I'll be talking about... Bamford, Rafinha and Ings. I think even if you do have an inkling that Fernandez or Salah could deliver in those games, um, I think my feeling is, and I'll, I'll show you some evidence why this is the case, you still got to back a double game week player. We had this debate last week with we're backing a City player, Gundogan or Sterling versus Fernandez at West Brom. Um, 
and it came through. You know, Gundogan delivered, um, and um, it, it and Fernandez disappointed. So I still think that it's a double game week players we got to look at. Would you agree? As looking at this, I've got some single game week players there: Salah, Fernandez, Gundogan, Kane, and Son. Would you captain any of them over a Leeds or Southampton player? Well, like I said, I went, I went on the FPL show and I was being swayed towards Fernandez. Uh, and I ended up having quite a few like debates on Twitter with people saying, uh, you know, logically speaking, if a player's got two games, they've got double the chance to return and all that, and all that kind of stuff. And it only felt right to be considering Fernandez because it was West Brom and because I sensed there was just so many factors that I think led me to thinking that, that Fernandez was, was, was such a good option that week. I just don't see that this week with, with any of the single game week players. And I just think Bamford is, is just miles apart. The fixtures he's got, the penalties, the form, the fat leads are an attacking team. I, I, I don't think there's any, there's any contest between him and, and the single game because it's, it's, it's Bamford for me. The, the only question is whether I give him the triple or the double, not wow. do I captain or not. Okay, so there's no, I mean, even if you had Rafina, then there's no debate for you that you would go Bamford over Rafina. I just think like I just think it makes the most sense. I think we've seen we've seen it all season. This this insurance, it's Luke's word. I, I won't try and take that away from him. That is that is Luke's uh, catchphrase. The insurance of the penalties matters a lot, and you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising to see Rafina, you know, get get fouled in the box and Bamford step up and, and hit a penalty in. Um, and I just like to captain a player who has that who has that in his locker. So I think both are good options, but Bamford is the, the focal point of all their attacks for Leeds, attacking team, on penalties. To me, he's, he's just the most sensible pick. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, looking at the data, it certainly bears this out. You know, minutes per expected goal involvement, non-penalty, 150.4. Rafina over the season back on 213.8 and Ings on 257.8. There's no competition there for Bamford if you look at that stat and, and home in on that stat. Um, minutes per point, Bamford at 14.9, Rafina 16.9, Ings 16.5. Again, minutes per shot, the stronger minutes per shot in the box. He, he wins out on all the usual um, metrics that we look at when we look at the captaincies each week. And, and also just to look at the Leeds versus Southampton debate, Leeds play Wolves and Southampton and that combination um, is expected to concede a goal every 165.5 minutes compared to Chelsea and Leeds, which is Southampton's opponents, 173.3. So the data points to Leeds there in case you needed any more confirmation that the Leeds attack was the way to go. I think some people will go Ings as a differential and he's a class player and he can score. He scored against Chelsea early in the season at Stamford Bridge, of course, so he can do it. Um, I just think Tuchel's form, the defensive form under Tuchel is so strong. I don't want to back that. And while I think Southampton can score at Leeds, the power, the goal power that Bamford has got and Rafina has got wins out for me. And it sounds like it does for you. Jones bloke 79, will Bamford triple captain himself? Well, this is it. He plays the game. And, and, <laughs> and I, just want, I just want to look at, I just want to look at this data here. This is, I keep messaging him. I'm going to get him do on you? I mean, He'll reply. Eventually. My life goal. I mean, obviously he'll reply <laughs> or he'll, he'll phone the police. One of those two outcomes will happen. Um, um, don't know which one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. This is the um. This is what I like to do. I like to look at pairs of fixtures because obviously, 
these players, Ings, Bamford and Rafina, are going to go into two consecutive games. And so what I've done here is I've looked back at their pairs of fixtures starting from 23-24. So it's every game that they've started, if you like, and paired the fixtures up. And if you look at Bamford, it's quite interesting. He's got a lot of, you know, going all the way back to game weeks two and three, he's only failed to really deliver in, in two game week pairs there. He's got three points in game weeks four and five and three points in nineteen twenty. In every other pair of fixtures, he's delivered at least eight points. And he's That's delivered nice. he's delivered double figures in one, two, three, what, eight pairs. So eight of the twelve pairs he's delivered double figures in. Which is pretty I mean, like so looking at that, you've got a good chance of getting at least double figures from Bamford over the two fixtures. If you look at Rathena, obviously go sorry, yes, yeah. I was just gonna say Bam Bamford, whenever I think of Bamford, I think he's a player who needs lots of chances to score yeah. to score a goal. And okay, that might be a little bit unfair, but that's generally how I perceive him. But that kind of suits him. Having two fixtures gives him even more chances, more opportunities to get a goal and, and he, he should I think he'll, I think he'll get a couple of goals this in, in this double game week. But Rafina's pairs do look strong. But Rafina's good. Yeah, if you look at... Yeah, he yeah. came in in game week nine for the first start. And ever since then, if you look at his fixtures as pairs, he's only failed to get double figures in one pair. That's between game weeks 12 and 13. In every other pair of game weeks, he's delivered 10, 11, 12, That's 14, good, 15 Mark. points. So, that, is, that is good. That's very good. So you look at that and you think the actual potential is greater for Rafina based on his recent data and those pairs. It's not. I, I know the penalty. <laughs> I like there, that. But, I really yeah. like that. It yeah. is interesting isn't it, how efficient Rafina has been. It's quite surprising. You wouldn't consider him a player to have delivered that consistently, but there it is. He's done. And his ownership's so low still. Mm. He's still around the like three percent, three percent mark. Mm. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, Ings down the bottom there, much more varied. I mean, he's had an injury. Prone. Oh, six percent now. He's, he's had an up. he's had an injury ravaged season where he hasn't had consistent starts. This current spell is probably his most consistent run of starts, and so there, you know, you, you have had double figure returns, but only in four. What was it four of nine, four of ten? So you know, if you're putting the the armband on Ings, you're taking a greater risk, it seems, than in Bamford and Rafina. I don't think you need me to tell you that. The lowest risk is looking like Rafina. He looks like the most likely to get you double figures. I think the ceiling on Bamford is higher with, you know, he's got returns of 22, 19 and 20 over pairs this season. Rafina can't match that. But Rafina has been more consistent. So, so you're going for Rafina then? Well, I am. <laughs> oh, I, I am strongly considering it. Yeah. Um, let's look at your team first though, and see what you're going to do. Um What's your plan then? Have you made any transfers into this team at the moment? No, I haven't. And, and I was I was debating because um, Rafina went up last night. But, you know, uh, you know me and that hashtag. You don't so. don't care about team value? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, I, I definitely do. Uh, but I wanted to wait and, you know, with, with the K news. So my, my initial thoughts were Rashford and uh, Antonio out for Rafina and Kane. Right. So that seemed, that seemed logical until tonight. Uh, Rashford is a bit of a, a bit of a funny one because I do back United to, to win against Newcastle, but equally he could be stuck out on the right again. Um, and Rafinha's got the double game week, so even if if Rashford does does you know do quite well, I still think Rafinha's got potential to do to do well in the two games. So it doesn't feel like too much of a of a gamble. And then Antonio, I love Antonio, I love him with all my heart, but the mm. fixtures are pretty rough, uh, and you know. 
I want to get in Kane for for that for that double. If I'm picking between Son and Kane, I'm I'm going to go for Kane, which was why I was kind of happy to sell Son last week. So that's what I'm planning to do. If everyone's you know if Antonio's out um, and we hear any new, more news about Kane, then that's pretty much going to lock it in because obviously I need to get some funds from somewhere to to get to get Kane in. So yeah, probably going to do Rashford, Antonio to Kane and Rafina. Okay, that's not for a hit. That's that's your two. That is for a hit. Oh, it is for a minus one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. And the captaincy very much on Patrick. Fair enough. Bam, Um, bam. Yep. Yep. Uh, My team at the moment: Pope, Cancelo, Diaz, Tarkovsky, Rafina, Vice, Fernandez, Gundogan, Son, Calvert Lewin, Antonio, Bamford. I've also got two free transfers. Trent, my first sub there. Now my plan was Sufal to Dallas, which I'm probably going to do. So he comes in and it'll probably be one of uh, Calvert-Lewin or Antonio to make way there. Um, I don't think Cancelo is going to play, so I think that that'll be a mute point anyway. Um, but I'll start Cancelo and hope he does play. Now, the other transfer I was going to do was Antonio to Kane. But there's two factors here. One, Ings I know now has another double game week after 25 because Pep's let it out of the bag and he possibly has two. Um, so Antonio to Ings kind of makes sense. It covers the captaincy as well. That means then that I will have to use a transfer in 26 if I want Kane, and it'll probably have to be either Bamford, who then drops out my team for 29 making way, or Calvert-Lewin making way, because Kane has got better doubles than Calvert-Lewin, I would say, and Kane wants... I want Kane as my triple captain. So it's a quite a big decision, this, whether I make two transfers. I could just do... Sufal to Dallas and um, drop Calvert-Lewin to the bench as first sub or Antonio to first sub rather and play Calvert-Lewin. That might be what I do and carry the two transfers again. This will be the longest time I've carried two transfers. I've had two transfers yeah. for about seven game weeks or something. Five or six, rather, I exaggerate. But I it's, I can't commit to these two transfers. I keep saying... There'll be people cursing I, you I need that. to save them. I need to save them. But I, I do like the idea of gambling on Ings because I look at this and think there's a lot of teams around me I know who have got just one Leeds player and or they've got two but they've only got one free transfer so the most they can go to is three Leeds whereas I can go three Leeds and a Southampton and if it comes in if that Leeds Southampton fixture is a bit of a goal fest which could be I'm I'm going to make some ground up so I look at this as a chance to make up ground I also look at it and go what is going on with Kane is there something going on here mm. and maybe I'm not going to want him for 26 anyway so I am currently debating that and I will make the decision late tomorrow about what to do. But at the moment, I am leaning towards Antonio to Ings, Sufal to Dallas. And that will mean benching Calvert-Lewin probably. But I think Calvert-Lewin will come off the bench because Cancelo probably won't play um, or won't figure. But we'll see. I think Dallas Dallas is, Dallas should be should be coming in. I yeah. think for, I can't see, I just can't see any reason not to no, bring that, him that's in. That's a gimme that one. That's a gimme, yeah. Yeah, and then Antonio to Wings is, just feels like quite a nice kind of like bit of a punt. See how it goes. Got two games. I I think those I think those two moves are solid. Yeah, and I, I look at it and think, well, it means that I might have to take some hits when I get to twenty nine. But when I think about it, a four point hit is only a two point hit if you're getting a player in who's going to play. And if I'm wildcarded in thirty or thirty one, it doesn't matter if they're dead wood either because I've only got them for one week. Maybe not even that. So I think taking a couple of hits in twenty nine is all right. I can allow myself that if I'm getting more points in this up front, which is what I hope I'd be doing by getting Ings now. 
So we'll see. Um, the captaincy is going to go right to the wire. I've got it on Bamford because it seems sensible. I think one thing for me is I don't want to watch that Leeds game and not want Bamford to score. And that will be the case if I don't captain him. I'll be watching it going, well, I'll, that, you know, I'll be willing Bamford not to score, which feels wrong, doesn't it? And I hate that when you're in that situation. So I want to avoid yeah, true. that. This is, this is the ownership debate, but you know, it's also that one of um, Rafinha's got much lower ownership and if he outscores Bamford, then you get a bigger reward for it. So if you if you think that Rafinha out, outscores Bamford in this week, and it's like I, I always say this, if you think a player is going to outscore another player, I would never be swayed by ownership, ever. Mm. I, I, just don't, I just don't agree with it. I just don't think it's the way to play. I, I, I understand about not, not wanting to risk it and, and being worried and stuff, but you've got to play with a bit of, Says the seven hundred k rank. No, <laughs> you got I mean, to play I, with a bit of swagger and a bit of. I think I think you're inspiring of, you know, me. A bit ballsy. I, I mean, I like Rafinha a lot, and I feel like I've got him in. Since I've got him in, he's done really well for me. I haven't had him long, and he's done. He's, I don't think he's blanked since I've had him. So the mm. the omens are good for me with him, and I do think, as we've seen tonight, his consistency is is stronger than Bamford or has been since game week nine, and he's outscored him as well since game week nine. But it's just a the agony of watching Leeds play and not mm. wanting Bamford to score, which would be a strange situation. So I'm still torn on that. Uh, and of course... I think they both do well. So yeah, I, I don't think, think, so. think it's going to be a huge no, difference so. between them. No, it's just Rafinha's points will do more for me than Bamford's. There's no doubt about that. So that it is tempting to go with him. We'll see. I'll probably tweet out on Friday. I don't think I'm going to do a pre-deadline video i'm not going to keep to that i know i mean they've done all right they've done i like doing them but we'll see i might have time after work but it's an early deadline isn't it was it 6 30 oh deadline? it is yeah good point yeah, 6 30 deadline oh god let's, it's tomorrow isn't it yeah oh yeah. get your get your act <laughs> no. together yeah yeah um let's look quickly at the uh, black box league because uh luca bubnik is still uh, carrying the uh the banner if you like into the top 100 for us he's 20th overall he had a decent game week uh 92 Amazing. points yeah Still got. He's still. He's in a lot of leagues, a lot of podcasts and stream leagues. But he's he's top of ours, so we're cheering for him. Um, in <laughs> in Andy's, he's probably tenth because Andy's league is miles away. Um, I'll tell you who had a bad game. Like Ryan Longstaff, he was second last week when we looked at league. He had a seventy-seven, the worst game week in the top twenty, and he's dropped down to six. So commiserations, Ryan. But I'm sure he can get back into yeah. it. Um, yeah, I mean. It'll be great if Luca can do some damage and get into the top 10 with a few game weeks go. So we've got someone to cheer for on that final day, wouldn't it? I do love final day when you've got some names in there you yeah. followed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it, I mean, it's interesting with the, with the world number one because uh, we, we were obviously talking to him um, last week mm. and uh, yeah, he captained Ben Mee. So, because I think, what was it, the, the week? Because he, he, he's got players like Bernardo Silva in and he's very much like, I'm just going to play the game my own way because I don't, because I said to him, I said, uh, you know, when you're that high, aren't you tempted to kind of consolidate a bit and, and block people off? And aren't you worried about players like Gundogan and stuff? And he was like, why would I be worried? Like I've, I'm doing well, like following my gut, number one, just going to keep doing that. So fair play to him. I, I don't know how I would be if I was, oh, oh, if I was, I, I know, one. I know how I would be. I would be racked with fear and paranoia and I wouldn't be <laughs> sleeping and I'd be like, Spending my days just assessing everybody else's team around me and trying to spot where and probably end rocking up, back and forth. Yeah, I'd end up blowing it. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I watched it and he's been very cool about it. And it, and also he's been very transparent on social media. He's he's telling people what he's doing and what he's considering. And 
again, I don't know if, I mean, if I was in his position, would I be doing that? I don't know. I'd like to think I would because I like, I enjoy doing this show and other stuff, but it's probably a problem we're never going to have as I would say, but you know, it's, it's worth speculating. I wouldn't have thought so. No, no, we're not. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's just over to you to do the usual, usual smash and likes. We've got a good audience in tonight. It must be the, uh, we have, yeah, night, nearly, nearly 2000 watching. Thank you, everyone. If you hit the like button right now, do it right now, uh, then that'd be nice because we've only got 214 likes so far. Two dislikes. Cheers for that. Who was that? Year. Was that my mum? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably probably my dad and your mum. Uh, yeah, hi, dad. I think he, he's probably He'll watching. Be watching. Um, <laughs> a league code, by the way, for anyone who wants to join our league uh, is V8TX2P. So make sure you join that we're trying to build it up we want to overtake let's talk one day that's the ultimate aim yeah a few seasons yeah, away from long, that but yeah one day long way challenge. to go yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah so um obviously like and, and sub uh amazing having two thousand people watching live and obviously we haven't got too long until the deadline tomorrow which i need to remember is tomorrow so thank you everyone for watching and tuning in and we will see you next week we will don't know when it'll be hopefully by then we'll have the bloody fixtures it's a good night for me yeah, i hope so Good night, everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.